Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. So a few weeks ago, I did a talk at a PPN event. PPN is the Progressive Property Networking Events, which are located throughout the country. And there's probably one in a town near you. You should possibly check that out if you want to attend a local networking event to meet like-minded property people. But I attended an event at PPN Blackfriars, and there was a live studio audience of just over 80 people. And we did a no-money-down live Q&A where the people in the audience got the opportunity to ask any question they liked around property investing and mainly focused on no money down property investing. So there was some really, really great content in the evening. Now I did record it on my phone, but because it was such great content, I thought it would be really, really valuable to share that as a podcast. And the team in the office have done their best with that to try and make it as good a quality as possible. So hopefully you enjoy it and I'll pass you over to the recording of that now. everyone, Kevin McDonald here. I'm live at the, in the room at PPN London Blackfriars. Just to prove it, say hi everyone. We've got over 80 people in the room, there's not an empty seat. And tonight we're doing a live Q&A all about no money down property investing. I've got in my panel, so Estvan Vai, say hi Estvan. Hi. So Estvan did my no money down training about 18 months ago. He really struggled to start with, he won't mind saying that himself, he's just shared it with the room anyway. He spent months struggling to get started, kept coming to me saying it won't work, I can't do it. Um, It doesn't work in my area, all this sort of stuff. Eventually he got started. He's done three deals in the last four months. He's done other deals as well before that. He's really taken off. He's grown his business now. So that's Estevan. He's going to be answering some of the questions. We've got Graham Page. Yeah! Graham, I met at, at, at multiple streams of property income in London about two and a half years ago. Yep. Graham was sitting on the front row. Didn't have a clue about property. And he was sitting on the front row asking all these questions. He'll tell you that himself. He didn't. Did you have a clue about property? Not a clue. Not a clue. So he, he sat there and he joined my nominee down training. Over the last couple, two and a half-ish years, he started to build his business. He set up lots of joint ventures. He even joined ventures with me here at PPM Blackfriars because we became friends. Um, and... He's here tonight as well to share some answers to what his challenges have been. He's an outsourcing expert. We've got lots of people in the room. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave this here. It is a test. Let me know online if it stops working. Well, you won't be able to because I won't know. But you know what I'm saying. I'll sit here. So, um, yeah, over to you guys. So I said for the next sort of 45, 50 minutes, what I thought we'd do is wherever you're at in your property journey, any challenges you have, any issues you've got, Anything you want to know specifically around no money down strategies, around property stuff, um, the floor is open to you. We'll answer the questions as best we can from our experiences, from our knowledge, etc. So we'll do the whole progressive thing just because they're listening in. And in progressive, if you're listening in, we do what's your name? And then somebody puts their hand up and says what their name is. And then everybody else says hi name. So let's try that out. Who'd like to go first? Anybody else? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name? Denise. Hi, Denise. <laughs> How hard? My question is to number two. Sounds like a number two. Blind date. Blind date. But my 
So, for the rinse to rinse and going out and actually the rejection, that's what I don't like, rejection, men, hush. Uh, the rejection of saying no from the estate agents and all the different agents. How do you overcome it? Because if they say no to me, I look at them and walk out, but I have to go back. How do you deal with it? Um, this is going to be probably a bit of a cliche if you've been to a lot of the courses, but I've actually read that book called Go For No. Yeah. Uh, and that really helped me to be honest because that just sort of opens your mind to this fact that you going for no, really, as the title suggests. So the more no's you get, the closer you are to the yes. Mm-hmm. It's bloody hard, but once you actually realise that that is actually how it's going to happen, and it really works. Uh, and that's pretty much what got me through. And I'm telling you, but I put a few signs up in my office at home. One of those was goes for no. Yeah. And that helped me every single time when I went home. I said, this was a shit day. And you know what? That says up there that I need to go for no's. And that will be a yes. Thank you. So let me, let me also add to that, Denise. So uh, what you should also do as part of the mindset side is actually put up on the wall the number of no's that you've had and you record all of those and who they were with. And then what you need to actually do, the reason why you do that is actually, although you haven't got a deal yet, you are making progress. Because what happens is your brain will play tricks on you and says, well, I've got no deal yet, I've got no deal yet, I've got a failure, nah, nah, nah. And then the little voices start coming out of your head. If you can start showing yourself and recording what you've done every single week, and you've gone and done 22, 22 estate agent visits, and you've had 22 no's, that means that you've done 22 conversations, which means you're getting closer to being better, more practice at it, and then what will happen is you will actually then get the yes, because you'll know what the objections are, you know how to respond to them, you know exactly what to say, and you actually start picking out signs. But you've got to put it into action, you've got to put it into practice. Who, who's, who's in a job? Just raise your hand. Okay, so keep your hand up if you're in the job for more than 12 months now, and you're better at the job today than you were when you started. So, well, what we do on any property strategy is we read a book and we think we're an expert. And property is the most expensive thing we're ever going to do in our lives. We read a book and we try and do it. I've got people that read my normally Dan book and they try and do a lease option deal. The most technical, most difficult strategy there probably is and they try to do it after reading a book. It's, it's the, the, the biggest, most expensive thing you'll do in your life. But then they walk into an estate agent and what they do is they think, this is the agent I really want a long-term working relationship with. So they walk into that estate agent as the first agent they've ever visited and they try and negotiate a deal with them. The first agent they've ever visited. Raise your hand if you think that's going to go a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, because you're not a professional yet. You're not pra- you haven't practiced. You should be practicing out of town. And I say this to people on our trainings, is practice out of area. And there's some of you in the room that have done my... Who's done my nominee down training in the room? A few people. Yeah. Right, so some of you, I've, I guarantee you when I speak to you, I know this happens. I've had conversations with some of you. I always say, do 10 viewings outside of your area, outside of town, and you will be better by the 11th viewing. By the time you do the 11th one, you'll be better. And then you come back to your own town, and you start with the least likely agent you want to work with. Because you're still building up to the, to the, the perfect offer. Because you're getting better every time you do it, as Graham said. But I know some of you, even though you've done the training, still haven't done those 10 viewings out of town. Do you follow the successful and success follows? You have to do that. Everything else in our lives tell us that the more we practice something, the better we get. But in property, we expect the results immediately. You need to have the knowledge, 
But the result doesn't necessarily come immediately. Look, look at Esteban. He had the knowledge, but he kept going. But a lot of people would have quit. A lot of people would have quit. But part of the challenge was, I wouldn't let him quit, because I was there pushing him and telling him, you ain't quit. But I'm telling you guys, do not quit. Every one of you are going to face challenges. I don't care what challenges you had in the past. This is not, they're not the last challenges you have. We have challenges for the rest of our lives. We're going to fail in properly in different ways forever. But overall, we're going to be successful, so long as you keep going. That's right. I think the other thing about it is before you go into the stage, or before you send out the HMO letters, you've got to know what you're going to say before you walk in the door. So you've got to have all your objections ready, and you've got to have all those answers ready. So you know the old saying about the seven P's, about proper planning prevents poor performance, the old SASM. So I, you know, when I did my first deal, sorry, I had my first phone call to the HMO letters, I got this guy going, what do you want? He goes, whoa! And I'm like, I, 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 I didn't know what to say to him. It's just like complete paralysis. But then what I did, you know, with Kevin's help was, I got my script. And so he rings up, I get this thing out of my back pocket, and I go, ah, oh, yes, hello, uh, where do you, you get my number, take it all off, or whatever it was. I said, oh, hello, this is what I do, this is what I'm interested in, is that the sort of thing that will be interesting to you? And you then start following the script, and you don't look like such a nutty, you actually start looking professional. Me, professionals, <laughs> But you've got to have that preparation before you do the step. And it's the same with going into the stairs. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Who'd like to go next? What's the name? Yeah, me. Hi. 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 Uh, are you advising that it would be better to have a business partner than to go to the Sorry, say it again, sir. Would you, would you advise having a business partner rather than doing it alone? So. This is obviously my personal experience, but yes, definitely. Um, and there are many reasons for that, really, from my perspective. So, I think, unless you're doing this full-time, and I think a lot of you are in full-time employment, so you have to somehow realise that there's only so many hours in a day available to you. Uh, as Graham was saying earlier, you could do many things, you could work smarter, harder, or employ other people. But most people in the beginning, either you don't have the money to employ another person, you can't work harder because you already work knows how many hours. The other option is employ another person. Again, money is an option. So the other thing you can do is find yourself a business partner, a JV partner. Obviously, you need to find someone who you complement each other with, um, you've got complementary skills. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So the other side of the question was what kind of marketing so for, for deals? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I had rejections for both, to be honest. So um, first I tried the agent route, uh, that didn't work. Uh, and then I tried the agent letters, and that also didn't work. And I decided to go back to the agent route. And actually that's, that is the one that's been a success. Can I answer part yeah. of that? Yeah, of course. It's not, and people say to me this all the time, and people listening in, you say it all the time, is what works best. And then what they do is they pick what he does because it works best. But it's not actually that it's the best thing to do. It's not even that it's the best thing to do in his area. So he said he started with agents and it didn't work. So then he moved on to HMO letters and it didn't work. And then he went back to agents and it did work. Why did it work the second time? I'll tell you why. Because he was better. Because he did the practice. It's not that the agents didn't work the first time. He just wasn't good enough the first time in all reality. He was getting better. The thing he did was he didn't quit. He kept going. If he went back to HMO Letters now, you know that deal that he didn't get? He'd probably get it. Different time, more experience, 
has learned what to say at the right time to get that heel across the line. It is not about this works for him so I must do it. I know people, I stand on stage all the time and people come from London and they go up into my town and invest and buy properties in my area. They don't know the streets. They don't know the house prices. They're buying stuff I wouldn't touch because they're doing what they say, oh, Kevin invests there, that's what I'll do. And they do the very same thing with the marketing. What they say is, what's the best marketing to do, Estevan? Instead of saying, how do I get better at securing deals? Because I'll tell you something right now. I don't care if you're the best marketer in this room. You won't get a single deal if you don't know how to negotiate the deal. Marketing, you can be the best in the world. But if you don't know how to negotiate that deal, marketing's dead. Yeah. And it's the negotiation that's almost more important than the marketing. Because the market, you can walk into an agent and find a deal. You've got to know how to negotiate. He got better at negotiating. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Oh, loads of hands. Ooh. We'll go we'll go here and then to Michelle. Is that okay? Just keep your hand up. No, I'm sorry. What, what What's the name? Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Hello. Hi. My question is for Kevin from Normandy Mountain. I can see some blocks of Gelgen um, in my area, right. which is not being used. I would love to do this with them or something. How can I buy them with Normandy Mountain? Do you have any idea, please? Great question. So people come to me all the time. And they say, um, I'm going to, can I stand for this? I'll sit for this because the camera, I'm not a camera, sorry. <laughs> People come to me all the time and say, I've got, a, I've got a deal. I've got a house. I've got a deal. And what they've got is actually a link to something on Rightmove. It's not a deal. And then I say, tell me about it. And, you, and they say, there are a block of garages. They're empty for ages. And I'm like, what about the people? Tell me, the owner, the situation. I've no idea. I've not spoken to them yet. I don't know them. So what you've got is a property that you've seen online or somewhere that's available for sale, but you don't know anything about the owner. So you don't know how long they've owned it, you don't know what their plans are, you don't know if they've got any debt on them, you don't know anything about them. You cannot structure a deal unless you deal with the person. Property is a people business. It's a people business. So when you say, how do I structure that deal? Well, it depends. It totally depends on if that person wants to sell. It totally depends if that person's got no plans for it. It totally depends on how good a negotiator you are on the deal. There's lots of variables to secure that deal. But it does not start with, there's a block of garages, so there's a deal. It's about the people. What does the person want? And when I say, I spent 10 years viewing houses, and I was looking at 100 grand houses, trying to buy them at 75 grand, 25% below market value. Make sense? And I was doing 15 minute viewings. In, and you'll know if you're doing this, Getting as many viewings done as possible, in and out of houses, in and out of houses, in 15 minutes. I didn't get any deals. Because let's say somebody's got a, a, hundred, a hundred grand house and I'm trying to buy it for 75. I never asked that person what their debt was. What do they need? Why are they selling? Where are they moving to? How quickly do they need to sell? I was just making a price based on the numbers of the house. Now, 25, below market value is, is it's literally vanity. Because you could buy a 100 grand house for 75 that rents out for 500 quid a month and the mortgage is 500 quid a month. You're not making any money. And by buying it at 75, all you've done is set the new market value at 75. Solve the person's problem. What if that person actually had a debt? What if they had a mortgage of 97 grand? What if they owed the bank 97 grand? I'm offering them 75. No wonder they didn't buy the house. If you ever walk out of a viewing having put an offer in, and you don't know the reason why they didn't sell it to you. You've not done the negotiation right. You need to know why they haven't sold it. And if the reason they haven't sold it is because they owe the bank 97, what I could have done was baby, done a lease option. Babysitted their 97 grand mortgage and given them their equity. Give them the three grand so they can move away. 
Because they're not getting 75 grand for their house. They're getting the bit that's left after their mortgage company is paid. And any property deal, any professional investor focuses on solving the other person's problem. If you solve other people's problems, you'll start to make money. And that's what the concept of no money down is all about. No money down is not a property strategy. No money down is how you deliver the strategy. If you want to do service accommodation, you do it no money down. If you want to do commercial conversions, you do it no money down. If you want to do single lets, you do it no money down. Most people know what they want to do. And the common problem they've got is they don't have the money to do it. No money down is how you do what you want to do. So you go to the, the garage owners, you find out who they are, you find out what they want, what their circumstances is. And it's a numbers game. It, Martin, Estevan said earlier about he focused too long on one deal, on the marketing, on, on trying to secure one deal, and he, he forgot about his marketing. And when the deal fell apart, he was back at square one. So he had no other deals. So what I see so many people do is they chase a deal. They get a call about something, they think it's a deal. It is not a deal, it's a lead. It's a lead that you could convert to a deal later, maybe. But you've got to keep filling the funnel. You've got to keep putting more opportunities into the top of your funnel. So if that one doesn't happen, there's more opportunities coming. Because the block of garages, maybe they're not interested in selling. But if you've been looking for loads of blocks of garages, it doesn't matter that one or two of them aren't. And he said, go for no. Because if you've got 10 blocks of garages lined up with 10 different people, who thinks there's a chance that one of them might say yes? Yeah. <coughs> But if you've only got one person with one block of garages, you ain't got a property business. Let's be real. You've not got a property business. You've just got one lead. That's it. And it might not even be a lead. So, does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Michelle. She had her hand up earlier. Hi, Hi Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi. What's the name, Michelle? How is everybody? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is for all of you. Um, when I did um, Kevin's course, recently, um, going on viewings was like the first milestone, but now I've gone past that milestone, my next challenge is actually um, putting in offers and having to negotiate. When did you do the training? A couple of months ago? March. Yeah, March. What experience had you before the training? Other than buying my house nothing. Nothing. Just on your hand, confidence level, where have you, I know you've got a long way to go yet in terms of your, your next milestone. Well, confidence level as a property person, where would you say you've moved to? From where to where? Not to five. Not to five. Cool. Who'd like to go to not to five in three months? Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, and this is the point is, she's not at ten yet. You don't need to be at ten yet because you're only a couple of months in. But your confidence, I've worked with you for three months, I've seen your confidence grow. It is growing. But what she's doing is she's taking action. She's out there looking for the deals. She backs herself and she's keeping going. I just wanted to say that about you before we carry on. She backs herself. So take your question now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my question is, how do you get better at negotiating? Because I'm putting offers in and every time I come across a different scenario, it's different all the time. It's not the same situation. So how, how do you just get better? And negotiate. Sorry, it's a bit general, but... Just practice. <laughs> so, so I, what, I, what I do is, I do my viewings on my viewings on, on Lightroom and Spain, and all those places like that, so I'm not on on. And then I do what's known as a quick and dirty analyzer. So I can go in and I will look at the floor plans, or should I say, my virtual assistant will go into my floor plans, because I've got an outsourced tool, because I've got very big students on Lightroom all day. And they basically will actually work out how many rooms are available, 
from that property, and therefore you do a reverse analysis to work out how, what, how much you can offer the landlord. And based on that, when you walk in there, you already know what, what, how much money you can make on the deal, how much you should be offering. So if it's at like £2,000, and you know it's going to be at 1200 quid, you're going to have a bit of work to do to get them down. But as this demand did, you know, he had to move them down from 1600 quid down to nearly 1300 So there's room and negotiation in there. So I only do those, and then at that stage, then do I go out and I do the viewings, because I know they're the ones which are going to make me money, or potentially money. I've weeded all of the other ones out, whereby the gap is too big or the, or the property isn't usable. So I'm, I'm working smart. So that, that, get, that analyzes which deals you should view and which ones you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. What most people then do, and I, I've, I've been mentoring people for four plus years now, and I see it all the time, the same stuff from the same people. They positively procrastinate. So they're at, they, they, I say to them on our trainings, you need to do 10 viewings this week. I meet them six months later and they're saying to me, I, I, I've only got one deal or I've not got a deal yet. I'm really struggling to negotiate deals. I don't know what to say, etc. And I say, how many viewings have you done? Uh, six. Six viewings and six. You were supposed to do ten in the first week. You've done six. If you, it's practice, 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 practice. But what we do is, well, I've been doing other things in property. And what you do is you, you want to feel like you're a property investor. You want to feel, <coughs> feel like you're busy. So you positively procrastinate. And you sit at home and you analyze deals and you do the research and the numbers and you get your business cards ready and then you do your website and then you realize that on your website something's slightly different to your business card so you can do a new business card and then you go to a networking event and at the networking event they tell you or you pick a business card up off somebody else and you go oh my god that looks lovely i better change mine so you do a third business card and you're doing all of this stuff to make you feel like you're busy in property. And the one thing you're not doing is the only thing that will put money in your pocket. Viewings. Viewings and offers. And if you keep going out there and do viewings and offers, if you do a hundred of them, going for no, I guarantee you you'll have had five deals. You'll have 95 rejections. But if you've only done six viewings and put in six offers, what's even worse, I know people that have done six viewings and they've put in no offers. No offers. I said, why haven't you put an offer in? I didn't think they'd accept it. <laughs> I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? You're a property business, you've never even offered on a property. So, viewings and offers, but what we do is we're afraid of no. You're afraid of no. Do you know what's worse than no? Yes. I have, I, I'm telling you, if you get a yes to your offer, you will be really pissed off. Because you'll have paid too much. No is not the end of a negotiation, guys. No is the start of a negotiation. It's the start of the negotiation. That's where it starts. Then you say, what is it about my offer that you're not happy with? How can we make it right for you? What would work for you? It's the start. But you've got to do the viewings, you've got to put the offers, and you automatically become better at negotiation. Negotiation, just like anything else, is a learned skill. It's a learned skill, but you can't learn it reading a book. You can't. We role-play negotiation on the training. We do a few hours of role-play. I get people up on stage and we role-play negotiation. But that's just to show you the start. You don't become an expert by watching that. You then got to do it and implement it. I've gone into loads of houses over the years and I've walked out smacking myself on the back of the head going, what the hell? And the front. And the side. What the hell did you say that for? Why would you say that? I have blown deals that were... The bang on deals, 100% of deal. The only way, I had a yes, and I'd say something that it would turn it to a no. It happens. 
And then you start saying to yourself, I can't do this. Not me. It's just part of the journey, guys. It's part of the journey. Part of learning. It's part of becoming better. You get some, you lose some. The best deals sometimes you lose and the shit one you get. But everyone moves you forward. And you know what's not most important? The first deal, getting the first deal. It's not important about getting the best deal. I see loads of people and they wait for the best deal. I've got this deal, but I, I want a better one. It's not about getting a great deal first. It's about getting a deal. Because the confidence grows. Just get yourself a deal. Not a shit deal, just, just an okay deal. Just get yourself an okay deal. The, the, most of the first property, well, apart from the first ones I ever bought, which I, I can't even give away, but of deals I've done in the last five or six years, the first ones I did are not as good as the ones I've done this year. They're not as good. And the ones I'm doing this year are not as good as the ones I'm doing in three, four years' time. Because we do better deals, we do bigger deals, we do more deals. But you gotta start. You gotta start. Shania, what's the name? Um, my, my question, uh, actually probably to you, um, would be in terms of lease options, vendor, yeah to you darling, so oh, lease oh, options, finance and assisted sales, the things we know and love. I'm married. <laughs> that wasn't your question. No, I want to marry a house. Oh sorry. So what was the question? So sorry. The question I'm still on darling. Yeah, so in terms, in terms of, of these options, they can finance that, the, the really sexy stuff. Yeah. What software would you, is there software out there that we can subscribe to to help us find these deals or make oh, anything easier? Yeah. No, what a great question. Okay. Yeah, so I, I had a guy at an event, so at multiple streams of property income event I speak at, a guy came out and put his hand up and said, no money down, lease options, no, not in my area. I'm, I'm down in Bournemouth. It was London Multiple Streams. So I'm down in Bournemouth. There's none of those deals available in my area. I said, how do you know? So I've checked the estate agents. There's no lease options advertised there. <laughs> lease option deals are not advertised on an estate agent's window. So what, what, what you've said is, is there any software or anything that can highlight what a lease option deal is? Any house is a lease option deal. It's about the negotiation. It's about the people. So what I mean by that is, you can have a house for... Stand up again, I need to sit down and feel something. I hate sitting down. It's not software that highlights what's a lease option, but it's software, for example, that would highlight a house that's up for sale and for rent at the same time. Well, we oh. know that's a great scenario. Yeah, so... So is there anything that we no. can subscribe to to help yeah. find scenarios? If she's listening, um, you need a Linda. <laughs> a Linda, a, li a Linda, an L-I-N-D-A. Yes, yeah, my wife. Hi, if you're listening. Yeah. So, so what? What? Because Graham mentioned about outsourcing. So, one of the, lease options: rent to own. If a house is on the market for rent and it's on the market for sale, rent to buy. There's a hint there. Rent to own. So, what might be? There's no software that does both that shows you both. But what my wife does is she goes on to Rightmove on for rent and for sale. And she just looks at photographs of houses, and, and you see ones that look the same, and then we'll approach those. Okay. But more importantly, it's just on the agent's windows. You speak to the agents, you ask them the questions. They, they'll know if, if any landlord, any owner that's selling is maybe interested in renting. But the point is, there's no software. People tr are too caught up on software and programs and all this sort of stuff, and apps and analyzing, and nobody's going out speaking to people. Speak to people. It's a people business. Speak to people. 
This is what we do as well. We put offers in on houses and we do it by email. We hide behind email and text messages. Do you know how easy it is on an email to say no? Or to write another reply back that's got more questions. I have never offered on a house across an email. I have always said, I'm interested to in make an offer, do you want to meet for a coffee or can I pop around the house? And I will bring the offer on paper and offer it face to face. Because at face to face, what we can end up with is a handshake. Yeah, over email, all we end up is batting and batting back and forth. It's a tennis match. It's a tennis match. We hide behind email because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of the no. What do I say to them if they say no and I'm face to face with them? But if you're on an email, you ain't going to get it. You're going to struggle to get that deal. You reduce your chances by about 90%. You've got to meet people face to face. But people, back to people. A house. It's on the market. It's a house. Maybe it came on the market four days ago. People say to me, I've got this property. It came on the market four days ago. It could be the perfect lease option. If it came on the market four days ago, they might not be motivated enough. But so we say it should be on the market for maybe six months plus. However, a house could have come on the market four days ago. And it might have only gone on the market because they've been getting letters for a repossession for the last nine months. And the judge has just said you've got two months to go. And suddenly it's kind of hit home that they need to move. Or they've stuck it on the market because their company has just told them they're moving them to a new job in Canada. And they've got to move in five weeks time. So just because it's only just come on the market doesn't mean that it's not a motivated seller. But also if it's been on a long time, they're probably more motivated. But how do you find out? You speak to the people. Got to find out these inf- this information, guys. Any house is a potential option dealer. Any house is a potential assisted sale. Any house is a potential rent to rent. But you've got to speak to the people and find out their situation. I've, I talk about at multiple streams of property income, six stages to a result. Stage number one is build rapport. You build rapport with the homeowner. Stage two is empathize. You got to empathize with the person. And you can't do this in a 15 minute viewing. Whatever their problem is, you empathize with it. Stage number three, I need to learn how to spell now, is S, yeah? Or you, I'm Irish, English is my second language. S, situation. You find out their situation. You, you, of result, understanding. You get a really good understanding of their situation. The most important one probably is L, learning. You understand that you might not get a deal, but you absolutely learned something. You see, you earn or you learn. You don't lose. You earn or you learn. So you learn something. And the T of result is time. You gotta put the time in. Not 15 minute viewings. You put the time in. One, two, three, four hours, whatever it takes. And you don't do it in one viewing. We, so I, one of the things I teach on the No Money Down training is how to break a, a negotiation into three viewings. You do three viewings on your negotiation. You break it down into three different viewings. So does that, that help? Any deal. Any, I walk into a house, I'm not, I'm not thinking this is a lease option deal. I'm not thinking it's an assisted sale deal. I'm thinking I need to solve the person's problem. And whatever the solution is, I'll take one of my tools. What most people do is they walk into a house and they've got one tool in their toolbox. And that's 25% below market value. And they're trying to buy a house for the number, for a value, 25% BNB. You are a plumber walking into a house with a lump hammer. You're making the problem worse. You've got to walk into that property with a toolbox full of tools. Lease option, assisted sale, EDCs, vendor finance, etc., etc. And you pick out the right tool to solve their problem, not solve yours. Too many people try to solve their problem. But I'll say something in front of the room tonight. Our, our diamond members. And we're going to coach them. Because all they did tonight, most of them, not all, but some of them stood here, and all they did was try to solve their problem. 
They gotta solve your problem. They solve your problem, you wanna work with them. Not stand here and say, I need this, I need this, I need this. So I'm gonna coach you all on how to help other people. How to solve other people's problems. Because if you actually stood here and said, what help do you need? How can I help you? Maybe people would wanna work with you. Maybe you'd grow your business. I spent years chasing the money, guys. I chased the money for years and I ended up over a hundred grand in debt. Solve other people's problems. You solve other people's problems, you, say, you make the money automatically. Is this, is this helpful, guys? Yeah. yeah. Yeah? Is this helpful? If it's helpful, say yes, it's helpful. Your battery's low. Oh, our battery's low, we might have to leave. Can we plug it in? 20%. 20%, you lost. Mind, it's an important one. All right. How did you get uh, direct vendor through an agent? Direct vendor through an agent. Um, through an agent. How did they let you have? <laughs> uh, so it took a few months to build a relationship. So <clears throat> we had one deal through them initially, which was really just a big stepping stone to get to the point where we are now. So we had a few views with them. We had a few deals that we sort of turned down. Um, we got to a point where we had a relationship sort of building for a few months. And the first deal we actually signed with them, I would probably call it now as a marginal deal, uh, but we felt that we got to a point where we had to... <laughs> yeah, so basically we had to sign a deal. We, we, we thought that we had to sign a deal because otherwise we would start losing. Right. So, 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 so really, yeah, so we're building the relationship with them. And like I say, we, we signed a deal that, you know, if you look at the deal that I presented earlier, uh, the first one was nothing like that. It still makes money, you know, house is full, so it works for us. But we just found that if you don't get that over the line soon enough, they probably start losing faith in us. And because we did, you know, they gave us another one, they gave us another one. So we got to the point when it's like, now, they basically give us the contact details of the landlord almost straight away. They go, look, we got this house, why are you going to have a chat to them? We can't make the view, can you just go speak to the landlord? So it's building the relationship and actually just showing them you actually are serious. And you paid them that fee? Yes, yeah, so they get the fees. Um, you know, quite a few of these actually are managed by them. So they get the monthly fees. Again, you know, so if you sign a five year contract with these guys, that's five years worth of money, fees every month for them, sort of. So, you know, very quickly you can be their friends. Well, go here. What's the name? Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Um, so, my questions are um, around outsourcing. Um, so, I'm, I work full time. Um, I've just come off Kevin's No One Down, which is loads of energy and mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then you kind of get into. When you say you just came off, when was it? It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. <coughs> so, yeah, so um, you come off with loads of ideas, loads of energy. I know that. You, you want to get into marketing. <laughs> and um, I've got no problem with marketing. I've got a marketing background, so it, it, it's something that I'm quite excited to get going. But where the challenge is, is how, do you, how can you advise training a virtual assistant so they are competent enough to not lose your needs? Absolutely amazing question, and I'm afraid I'm going to answer that in, in December of the session here. It's very easy to train a virtual assistant, so you need to think about there's two types of virtual assistant. So the first one is the one that you go to whereby you want a one-time transaction, so that could be creating your logo, creating your website, doing your Facebook brand, something like that where you just pay them for the expertise and they just do it because they're already the expert. So you don't have to know about Adobe or anything else like that. Or you go for the type which I like, which is a long-term relationship type. And I, one of my, one of my VAs actually posted me today and said, oh, happy anniversary, Graham, did you know it's our two-year anniversary this week? 
And he then goes, my family and everyone at church prays for you and your family because of what you've actually given us. And for me, I like the long-term relationship because you can actually train them the way that you want them to work and can teach them exactly how you want them to work in your business. So the simplest and easiest way to do it is, is you need two things. One is, an, one is an app called Screencast-O-Matic or Camtasia or any screen recording software. The second thing you need is a microphone, which you probably have on your laptop. And the third thing you need, which is really important, is your voice. And what you basically do, you're not going to come back in December now, are you? <laughs> what you basically do is you sit down in front of your screen and you talk and you record the screen and you explain what you're doing and where you're clicking, and more importantly, why. So if you're doing a property search, for example, you go, so what I'm doing is here, I'm going to the right of the website, and I'm looking for this type of property in this area, click the button here, and I'm looking for this type. I'm not interested in those ones which are selling subject to sale, or you, because, or actually, I'm not choosing these because. So, you, so you're not just imparting the task, you're imparting the reason why they do it. So they actually understand why you're doing it. It's not like click, 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 click. For me, that's nothing. If they know why you're doing, why they do that, and what you're looking for, you'll get a better quality of output at the end of the day. You send that, what you then do is you then send that across to your virtual assistant, and you get them to actually run through that themselves, and to demonstrate that they can generate the same output for you. And who in here like, likes, or say, who in here loves writing documentation? And who in here has read Enoch? Yeah, the Enoch, where it teaches you to actually systemize your processes and write your own SOPs. What you can get your VA to do is based upon your recording, is to write your SOP for you. And the worst thing about it is what they will actually do is they'll write it better than you. And they'll have more stuff in there than you. And they'll then be able to do it faster than you, and you won't need and they won't need you at all. And what that means is you can then go off and do more interesting things. And you then take <coughs> that single process, they then run it on a day-to-day -day basis every time you need it. What's that Standard operating procedures. So it's basically <coughs> a guide which says, this is how you do it, and this is what you should be clicking on, what you should be looking for. But the key thing is about doing a video is that if the, if the, if the virtual assistant leaves it, <coughs> you've always got that master document, so it then becomes person-independent. So they leave, you get a new person, and you go, here's all your training material, off you go. This mitigated. You don't have to worry about them I've got a message from Lewis Cousins, and he says, Hey guys, there are lease options in Bournemouth, as I'm working on a deal down here, which is an option. <laughs> What's the odds? <laughs> Cheers, Lewis. Right. Uh, so I use a, a mixture in terms of that. So I use online jobs pitch. Uh, you can use people per hour, they're a bit more expensive. <laughs> Personally, I, I will use any VA with any skill set anywhere in the world that delivers what I need. So don't necessarily go in. in so I've done. I've got VAs. In, I've had VAs in South Africa, France, Bulgaria. Obviously, run a team in India and other Philippines. But my main ones for my business at the moment is around the Philippines. Thank you. Cheers. Um, question just from online, guys. So Mark Romano is asking: Do you have to give the vendor their equity, or is it a courtesy? So they feel that they can walk away from the house as if it is sold. So you don't have to give 
the vendor their equity, but you you can you can negotiate a deal where I've done deals where I'll negotiate below market value an amount, five, eight, ten percent, whatever, and give them some equity. I've done deals where I'll give them all of their equity, but I've actually done deals where I've given them more than their equity. I've bought houses at 85 grand value. I bought a house last year, an 85 grand value house. I paid 94,000 for it. Why? Because what a lot of people do is they try and buy a 100 grand house, as I said, for 75. That'll rent for 500 quid a month and then they'll have a 500 quid a month mortgage and it makes them no money. But what I did was I secured a purchase price at 94 grand for an 85 grand house, but I'm paying for that house over five years. So I've got an option to buy any time in the next five years. But that house makes £800 a month positive cash flow as a four-bed multi-let, as a four-bed HMO. So 800 quid a month profit over 60 months. Do the maths. 48 grand. I'm paying 94 for the house. But I've created 48 grand out of the property over five years. Who thinks that house will actually be worth 94 grand anyway in five years, maybe? So what we do is we try and buy them today below market value instead of securing a price today and buying it over a period of time. We focus on equity. You cannot spend equity. We're in London, by the way. For anyone listening, we're in Blackfriars in London. There is people probably in this room, but definitely all across London, who are sitting in million pound houses and they've got maybe 150 grand mortgage on it. There's 850 grand of equity and you cannot touch it. You could sell the house to release the equity, but here's your problem. You want to live in London. So you've got to buy another house for the same price. And you've got to only get 150 grand mortgage again. Because your mortgage on your home is based on a, on a multiplier of your salary. So you can't touch the money. But we focus on equity. Equity is irrelevant. Cash flow is king. You can't spend equity. You can only spend cash flow. And then people say, well, I want the house prices to go up in value. And that's great, but I'm buying for the long term. I don't want house prices to go up in value. That's the last thing you should want when you're starting out. You should want them to go down in value. Start buying today and hope they go down because you're going to pound cost average them over a period of time. And then in 20 years time, you want them to go up. Not now. You want to go up them to be going up when you're selling, not when you're buying. And what we think is we, we need them to go up in value so that we can then refinance it, pull a bunch of equity out. So we've got a lump of money to buy another house. Isn't that right? But you know what you've done? You've increased your debt and reduced your cash flow. When what you should have done was being creative about how you bought it in the first place. How you secured the cash flow in the first place. Does that make sense? Yes. Why are we increasing our debt and reducing our cash flow? Because you've got to pay that debt back sometime. It's got to happen. Create cash flow, guys. Create cash flow. Anyone else? Go here. What's the name? Hi, Hi, everyone. Uh, can I ask uh, three quick questions? Give me one. Pick the best one. When you when you get the deals uh, through letting agents, um, do you use their uh, company debt agreement? And if you, um, do you usually get every agreement checked by a solicitor when you take on a new property? And do you often use deposit insurance? Do you use deposit insurance instead of as an alternative to paying a deposit? She still asked all three questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just combined them into one. I, I can answer those. So, um, yes, so we actually use the agreement um, simply because we asked them to amend the agreement so it's, it excludes anything to do with an AST, so we're not breaking any law. Uh, it still covers everything that we want it to cover, um, so it just saves us having to go to the solicitor. So, we've seen a few agreements now, so we know exactly what to look for. 
Um, there was one beer, this particular one that I presented actually, where we had to get our own agreement, simply because it took ages to get over the line, and the mortgage provider wasn't happy with the agreement the, um, uh, the Latin agents provided. So that's when we had to get the solicitors involved, and we actually did our agreement. But otherwise, we more than happy to use theirs, it saves us money, it saves us time, everyone's happy. It basically does the job. Um, what was the last question? Sorry, about positive insurance. The positive insurance. Uh, I have tried it a few times. Uh, they're not really happy to do that, to be honest. Uh, for some reason, they just like the money be handed over so they can put it away in a, somewhere um, so nobody can use it. So um, I always try and negotiate that because I just think it's such a waste. Um, nobody can use the money, it's just sitting there potentially for years. Uh, so this deal that I presented again, I managed to negotiate so we didn't have to pay a deposit. Uh, and it was purely down to the fact that we spent so much money on the place anyway. It just made sense for the landlord to understand that we were already putting the money into the house. And if the money gets locked away for two, three, four years, uh, basically just means there's less cash flow for us to spend on his house. So there's an argument there, but unfortunately not everyone listens. Yeah. You, have, yeah, you have to try. <laughs> you, you might just get a no, but you know, you try. Does that answer? Yes, it does. Thank you. We'll take, we've time for one more question. Okay, so who'd like to go last? Lola. <laughs> okay, regarding lease options, this, like Kevin said earlier, it's all about uh, going in with an open mind and finding a report and all this because I'm doing, uh, dealing with one lease option at the moment. The intention was not a lease option because the deal came through as a deal package and I had a look. I think I mentioned it to you once, the one with the seven bedroom, the six bedroom HMO. And it came through as a you know, deal package and I had a look and I thought it's not a deal, the price is too much. Then we went to see, then I said, do you mind if we go and see the vendor? And the girl said, oh, well, I don't want you guys to call me out. Then I said, how much is your fee? She said, 2005. And I said, okay, we'll pay you the 2005 if we decide to go with it. And it's just about going to the vendor. And uh, so what we've done, we went with Open Mind. This is the situation. Your property is not worth the amount that you're saying that it's worth. I understand it's a commercial valuation you're looking at, but as an investor, we, like, we look at bricks and water. So bricks and water, your property is only worth this amount. But well, what we can do for you is do a lease options. And that's where the light bulb come up. And I was like, what's, about? what's that about? And that's how you get a lease option coming through. So you don't go in thinking of a lease option. It's about finding out the real, you know, what this, the situation is. Because what he wanted was 100k just to go and do something with his life somewhere else. And that's why the lease option um, conversation came in. So that's one. So it's about being open mind with anything that comes to you and That's what I said earlier. Is, yeah. So what she's basically said for those that didn't hear at the back is that she thought she was looking at a deal packaging deal. Yeah. She went into the deal and realized the numbers didn't work and then converted it into a lease option deal. Yeah. So you're not going after it's not an lease option deal, it's just the tool in the toolbox that worked. Yeah. But did you have a question? Yeah. So the question, <laughs> yes, the question is, the question is, do you, you know, you know when you're uh, dealing with the list options and everything, and what is the max you can offer to the vendor, even though they say, oh yeah, we want, I want this amount. What's the max you would, you know, like so? Oh, so what's the max? Really depends. I'll come over here and, and just as an example. So what's the max you'd offer? Well. 
if somebody's got a house and it's on the market for, I don't know, 350 grand, and it'll make you, if you were to pay 350 grand for it, it'll make you 300 pounds per calendar month profit, then you could probably offer 350 grand. But if somebody had a house for 350 grand, and it'd make you, if you took it on, £1,200 per calendar month profit. Could you offer them 375 for that house? So it's never about what's the maximum you can offer. It's how much money will it put in your pocket every month? We spend too much time focusing on this number instead of focusing on this number. People chase the deal and then figure out if it'll make them any money. You've got to reverse engineer it. How much money will this deal make me every month? What can I afford to pay for the deal? Does that make sense? So it's, it's not, some people think, is it, can I pay 10% over the asking price? Can I pay 5% over the asking price? That's irrelevant. It's all about what's, the, what's this number here? Because you can pay more for this house if that's the number and less if that's the number. Does that make sense? Have we found tonight helpful? So hopefully you found that valuable. I've been Kevin McDonald. you've been absolutely awesome.